following is a recording of a sermon given at All Saints Lutheran Church in Ottawa, Canada. For additional messages and more information, visit allsaintslutheran.ca. Exodus 5, verse 1, to Exodus 6, verse 1. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, behold, the people of the land are now many and you make them rest from their burdens. The same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen You shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as in the past. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks that they made in the past, you shall impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore, they cry, let us go and offer sacrifice to our God. Let heavier work be laid on the men that they may labor at it and pay no regard to lying words. So the taskmasters and the foremen of the people went out and said to the people, Thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go and get your straw yourselves wherever you can find it, but your work will not be reduced in the least. So the people were scattered throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. The taskmasters were urgent, saying, Complete your work, your daily task each day, as when there was straw. And the foremen of the people of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, Why have you not done all your task of making bricks today and yesterday as in the past? Then the foremen of the people of Israel came and cried to Pharaoh, Why do you treat your servants like this? No straw is given to your servants, yet they say to us, Make bricks. And behold, your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. But he said, You are idle, you are idle. That is why you say, Let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Go now and work. No straw will be given you, but you must still deliver the same number of bricks. The foremen of the people of Israel saw that they were in trouble when they said, You shall by no means reduce your number of bricks, your daily task each day. They met Moses and Aaron, who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh, and they said to them, The Lord look on you and judge, because you have made a stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants, and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. But the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. The word of the Lord. Thank you. So we're continuing our series that I've called Just Like Us as we look at several characters in the Bible to see that they're just like us in order that we might be just like them. Last time I clarified uh, what I had shared two weeks before, and that is I'm not saying that we are like these people in every single way. We're all unique. These characters are unique and we're unique. So there are things about Moses who we're looking at today that he's, he's like himself. 
uh, a unique individual, a special servant of God. Um, but he's a human being just like us. He, what I tried to explain, especially two weeks ago, is that the Bible characters are not superheroes. Uh, they are endowed with certain abilities, talents, and gifts, but so are we. And they are human beings just like us who are endowed with special abilities, gifts, and talents. Uh, the, 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 the world is actually being rocked uh, by a, a recent scandal, which some of you are aware of, where a well-renowned international leader was found to be living a double life. And for many people, that, that this person was basically an idol to them, um, it is, it, it's such a destructive thing. But part of the problem, and hopefully some of the soul-searching that's going on, especially in the Christian world, is, is to realize that we've done wrong by making Christian leaders into celebrities. The whole celebrity culture, Christian, non-Christian, is a, Christian, Christian and non-Christian, is a problem because we're all made of the same stuff. We all have similar uh, weaknesses, and we all under, there's the line in, in, um, in Corinthians, like no temptation that is, is uncommon to man, that we're all tempted in similar ways. Nobody is, uh, it's, you know, one of the things they wonder, why are some people, why do some people seem to be more prone to COVID? COVID had to come into the talk at some point, um, uh, because that's how it works. I, I think there's a thing going on, a pulse in a society that after every few minutes, COVID needs to come up in our conversations. But um, so some people seem to uh, be naturally immune. Um, and that's true for a lot of illnesses. And they don't really know why. Some people are more genetically um, uh, strong or weak when it comes to their immune system with regard to particular illnesses. Uh, and, but when it comes to temptation, nobody is immune. We all have the same sin nature that is prone to turn from God's ways. We all have inherited that same disposition. So Moses is no different from us in terms of his being a human being. Um, And one of the things that struck me as I was just sharing a a few moments ago in in the kids' message, it's something that I don't think I wrote anywhere in my notes, is he did something very, very typical. And it was the fact that when he was younger, he was ready to go. He was ready to do the thing that he thought God wanted him to do. And so just backtracking a little bit, I'll get to the thing that I, was, that I realized in the, in the kids' message in, 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 a, in a few minutes probably. So, but I do want to go over his life a little bit and then share a few points uh, about him uh, that we could learn from. <clears throat> And so he was born in a very difficult time, very, very difficult time. He was born into the, into the people of Israel while they were living in the land of Egypt. Uh, the time in Egypt started well under Joseph. It was a place of refuge and provision, but eventually it became a place of bondage, oppression, and slavery. And Moses was born in a time where they were killing babies, male babies, throwing them into the Nile River. There are children in this room. There are some adults in this room. There are everyone today, in most of the world today, is born in a day where children, 
Babies are being murdered. Many of us, in some sense, are actually abortion survivors. Because today, it's so easy for a pre-born child to be slaughtered in what's supposed to be the safest place on earth, inside their moms. And yet some of us were selected to live. I remember my mother telling me, I was born in 1957, when abortions were illegal, but they were still happening, where it was even, the thought was even presented to her. And knowing my family's background, the temptation to kill me was probably very present, though it was dismissed, obviously. But today, people are deciding who will live and who will die. And for some reason, we don't really understand why uh, Moses' parents saw there was something special about him. The words say that he was beautiful, good-looking, a good-looking baby. We just had a new grandchild uh, this past week, Rebecca. She's a good-looking baby. That's not a reason to, to keep her alive. Um, I, don't know what, I don't know what they were thinking, but they tried to keep him as long as possible until they felt they couldn't anymore, and they put him in a special covered basket into the river. And I don't know if they did that to obey the government, because eventually he would be devoured by alligators or something or, or starved to death, we don't know, or if they were hoping that he might be rescued, which is what happened. But it seems to be, it was quite unusual. And he was rescued uh, by, by Pharaoh's own, own daughter. The, the, the government leader who made the rules, those rules were broken by his very own daughter who saved Moses against what the regulations said. And then that unusual thing that happened where Moses' mother actually got hired to nurse him. And now she's getting paid to care for her own child until it was time to fully give him back into Pharaoh's household. Now, this is one of the things he said, well, how can this series be like just like us? Who does that happen to? Uh, there's only a few people that have those kinds of stories. But I've talked to people. I've talked to people. I've met people who, are, who are, the, are the products of, of, of really difficult, terrible circumstances. They really shouldn't have ever been born. And other people, and, and you know yourself, we have people in our own congregation who have survived horrific situations. And the fact is, even those, if, <laughs> the thing is, if you've lived a normal life, you're a miracle too, because you're actually quite unusual. If you've lived a life where you've been cared for and loved and, and helped, you should thank God every day for that. Because the, the pressures against normal human life and uh, being raised in a loving home, the pressures against that are so great. Not as great as they were in, in Moses' day when, when his people were being so oppressed. Well, we don't know how Moses found out he was one of the people of Israel, or as they call them, uh, the Hebrews. We don't know that. If you've seen the movie The Prince of Egypt, the animated film, wonderful music, uh, speaking of music, he discovers that he, was, uh, that he was an Israelite because he met, somehow met his sister who hummed the tune of the lullaby that his mom used to sing to him when he was a baby. And somehow that caused him to remember who he really was. Well, that's a bunch of nonsense. It doesn't work that way. But that's, movies always ruin the book, as in, as in this case. Somehow he knew. Maybe he always knew. 
Maybe his mom told him, and yet he was raised as an Egyptian in Pharaoh's household. At some point, he goes off to see the, the suffering of his people, and he sees one of his own uh, being beaten by an Egyptian. And it says, looking here and there, making sure nobody was watching, he murdered the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Basically, he committed murder. Um, I believe that would be called, I think that's first-degree murder. We could, you, you can correct me later. Um, and it was found out, um, in fact, his own people. It didn't, his, what he thought was such a wonderful act of, of bravery, his own people rejected him uh, because they did not want to deal with somebody who was as violent as he was. And then Pharaoh heard about what happened and wanted to execute Moses, so he ran away. And he ended up living in the wilderness as a shepherd among another people group called the Midianites for 40 years. And here was a man, we know that he was called to be one of the greatest leaders of all history. And yet he's working a, a, a blue-collar job in, in the backwoods, but there were no woods because it was wilderness. And that's how he lived day after day, day after day for 40 years. And he didn't retire at 65, he's now 80 years old, and he sees an incredible sight. And one of the things I love about what Moses did is he allowed his curiosity to lead him to God. There's actually teachings in, some, in ancient uh, Christianity that says that curiosity is an evil thing, but it's not that sense of wonder when we see something unusual and going to investigate. That's what happened to Moses that day. He was just minding his own business, minding his sheep, saw this unusual sight and went, hmm, I'm going to go over there and check this thing out. He was going to, he was, he allowed what God was doing. He didn't know it was God. He allowed what God was doing to disrupt his day. And there are people that they think to serve God means don't let anything disrupt your day. I know there's others of us that we welcome all sorts of disruptions, anything to get our minds off of the, 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 the day-to-day tasks. But other people are so focused, I've got to do what I've got to do because I've got to do what I've got to do, and that's what I'm going to do until the day that I die. And if Moses was like that, he would never have gone over to the burning bush, and he would not have met God that day. But thankfully, he did. And then here it is. The moment he'd been waiting for his entire life. Okay, Moses, now's the time. You're going to go and you're going to rescue the people from Egypt. And the great leader Moses said to God, no. Now, this is where we get to so much of this just like us. The Bible is honest. Somehow, and Moses must have been honest. Because he must have told people this story. He might have been the one who wrote down this story. He could have kept it to himself. After God had his way and sent Moses, he could have just said, God sent me, and that's it. But somehow he spilled the beans and let people know, when God called me, I said no. And he basically had this argument with God. He had six objections to God, and finally God had his way. Moses never really agreed to it. If you read the, read the passage in, in that part of Exodus, uh, God finishes the, the discussion and, and Moses goes. And um, in the, so in the end, he does it. He does the thing that God wants him to do, but he didn't want to do it. After all, he was 80 years old. He tried when he was younger. He thought he was doing the right thing. He blew it. He had to run away. And now God was... And, but so often, when it's time, we don't want to do it. 
The wind's already been knocked out of us. We become discouraged. We don't want to blow it again. Don't you know what I'm made of? Most of the time, I can't even, I, I can't even talk properly. That didn't matter to God and all the various objections that he brought forward. So God's call prevails on him. And that was the thing that I wanted to share, this whole idea that two of the key characters early in the Bible are, are, are those that should be planning their, their retirement, have their retirement plans and go down to the whatever to just take it easy. I've, I've reconnected with an, a friend that I, I knew in my in my early 20s, who I haven't had contact with in a long, long time. We've been having these Zoom meetings every other week. It's been such, such a wonderful thing to, to, to chat with somebody from my, what's now my distant past. And he's been working a, in a very noble occupation for, for, for decades. And he's now have, I think it's now four weeks to retirement. I think he's a year older than me. And uh, he's four, four weeks from now, is retirement. And I'm listening to him. I'm kind of gritting my teeth, and I've spent my entire working life doing new things, going from thing to thing, learn something, got to learn, got to learn something else, got to try something new, called into something different, do, you know, and I meet these other people, they've done the same job year after year after year after year after year, but not me, I, it's like I feel like I keep going back to kindergarten to have to learn it all, not it all over again, something new for the first time, and then go do it, and to be to be frank, I'm, I, I'm getting tired of it. I'm getting tired of the challenge. But it's not my decision. It's God's decision. And when God comes up to you when you're 80 years old, oh, well, he lived longer back then. Well, that's not the point. God knows. And God comes to us when we're about to face retirement or we're this age or that age. It doesn't matter to God. What only matters is that we hear him and do what he wants us to do. And God doesn't have an issue with the, with the argument. He doesn't have an issue with the argument. Some of you might be aware that I actually preached on this passage about a month ago. Um, um, but I wanted to include Moses in my Just Like Us series. Um, and a month ago, you could look at that on our YouTube channel, if you, if you missed it or you want to see it again, that God didn't have an issue with Moses in this passage. This is so later on, now he's, now he's come and he comes to the people of Israel and, he, and, and they're impressed and they're encouraged that God wants to help them. And then he goes to Pharaoh and he, and he says, let my people go. And what does Pharaoh do? Not only does he say, no, fella, get out of here. That's what they, I think that's what it says in the Hebrew, actually. Get out of here. He makes things harder for the people. So not only did Moses not make things better, but Moses coming to, coming to Pharaoh made things worse. And he's met by the leaders of his own people, and, and they say to him, you've made us a stench in Pharaoh's nostrils. So, you know, some, some help you are, Moses. And if that would be like a lot of us, it would be, I knew it. I blew it in the past. I'm blowing it now. But he, but he doesn't really do that, does he? He does something that if we think about it would make us uncomfortable. And this is what I, sh- I shared a month ago. He goes to God and he basically gives it to him. You told me to do this. I did it, now things are worse, and he says, and you haven't 
helped us at all. He says that to God. But God isn't frazzled. God isn't offended. In fact, God responds with, I've only just begun to fight. This is just the beginning, Moses. Just wait. Now you're going to see my power. That was his answer to Moses' prayer that most of us may have never prayed any kind of prayer like that. God, what is going on? I've done what you've told me to do, and it's a mess. Look at the trouble you got me in. An honest confrontation of the supreme being of the entire universe. Oh, no, no. We need to be polite when we come, uh, come to God. We need to mind our P's and Q's. We need to speak properly. Yes, sir. No, sir. Anything you say, sir. But I don't find that in the Bible. I don't find that in the Psalms. I don't find that in the prophets. And we don't find that in Moses. Honest. Honest. Tell God how you feel. Instead of complaining to others. Which is what I wanted to share this morning. Look what Moses doesn't do. What would we, we would normally do is he comes out after, after first from Pharaoh, before the people know that they're going to have to work harder and, and, and slave even more than before. And it would be, you know, first he would grumble under his breath, and there's his brother Aaron who is with him. I can't believe this. And Aaron, I know, I know, I know. Well, maybe you didn't really, you know, you didn't say this. Right? And, then when they, and then when he gets accosted by his own people and blasted by them for making things worse, more complaining. What's wrong with them? You know, I risk my life to go there and there. Why do we do that? Have you ever, have you ever stopped? To, do you ever wonder why we complain? Uh, maybe nobody in this room complains, but you might know somebody who does. You might wonder, why do they complain? Like, why do they do that? There's something about us that we think it makes us feel better. It makes us feel better, especially if we get somebody to agree with us. You know, but not that friend that says, oh, you think your problem is bad. I, no, no, we don't like complaining to those people. We want to complain, oh, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Oh, you poor thing, I know, I know. We know what God does to complainers. He opens up the ground underneath them and lets them fall in. That's a lesson we need to learn, that this no good. And so what's really struck me about Moses, there's so many amazing things about him. He wasn't perfect. He had issues. He didn't end up going into the promised land because it looks like his anger and frustration finally got to him. And I don't blame him. All the people complaining for all those years and on and on and on in the wilderness and all the pressure they went to, but... You know, sometimes leaders end up badly blowing at once near the end of their career and they kind of lose, and they end up losing everything. They don't lose their relationship with God necessarily, but they can lose their legacy. They can lose a lot through a serious mistake, even after doing a lot of good things. But still, at this time with Moses, he doesn't complain to people. He brings his complaint to God now, maybe it's because he didn't have anybody else to complain to. The people were all mad at him. 
Aaron was with them talking to Pharaoh. He can't talk to the Egyptians, of course. Who else is he going to talk to? I guess that's a lot of our stories. We don't pray until we run out of other options. He's just like us. We shouldn't have to wait, but that is what happens. And thank God he doesn't go, well, what took you so long? He doesn't do that. He answers him and, it's, and, and, and continues with his, his plan to, to rescue the people. But when we do bring our complaints to God, and especially in the way that Moses did, I did what you told me to do, it didn't go well, it got worse, and basically it's your fault and you're not doing anything to help. Think of how much Moses must have trusted in God to talk to God that way. Because I've noticed, apart from useless complaining where we just, we just spew our, our junk to people, when we believe that there is somebody who can truly help us with our grievances, we do tend to go to them. We complain because we think we're stuck and we need an outlet for all the, the grief that we feel inside. But if we really believed, if you had a teacher in school who you really believed would help you when you had a difficulty in math, if you had a parent who you really believed would help you with a problem instead of get away from me, you know, children should be seen and not heard sort of thing or whatever it was, if you really believed that the person at the front desk of the whatever, at, you know, I, I, I like get asking for help. I go to the information person at the, at the mall or whatever it is. Why do I ask them where the such and such optical store is? Well, one, I have trouble navigating those silly screens. And two, I really believe they could tell me how to get there when we really believe that somebody has the help that we need, and we really believe they're going to give us the help that we need, then we go and bring our need to them. And it seems to me the reason why we don't bring our needs to God is we don't really believe that he will help us. But Moses did, and God came through. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you. We thank you that you care for us so much. We thank you that you know what we're made of. And you understand. You understand our frailties. You understand our fears. And you are not put out by what we're really like. But you're looking for people who are humble enough to come to you, not despite our frailties, but with our frailties, and, and lay everything before you. Lord, I ask that you would give new freedom to all of us in this room, people that are watching online, that we would have new fresh freedom to bring the burdens of our hearts to you. Even for things that are in the past, Lord, that have to do with people that have been dead for years. 
Lord, there are burdens that we are unnecessarily carrying that are crushing us today. The disappointments, the ways that we ourselves maybe have, have blown it in the past and, and, and we think that we have to bear the failure on our backs forever. For those of us that believe we're disqualified because of our sins or because of our misjudgments or because of our whatever it is, you are a God of reconciliation. You are a God of rescue. You are a God of, of healing. You are a God of not just second chances, but many, many chances. Lord, help us to come honestly to you. That you would wrap your arms around us. And that you would speak to us afresh. And that we would know who we are in you. And that you would deal with those things in our lives that are continuing to, to harm us. And then harm other people. Because we haven't allowed you access full access to those areas. Please, Lord, draw us in. Heal us. Encourage us and help us. We look to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For additional messages and more information, please visit us on the web at allsaintslutheran.ca.